Pīria te tuatini he kōtuku whenua e ki taku whenua e. E whakatau wana i te hui e tau nei e, haumi e, hui e, taiki e. This week on The Hui. The blue wave swept the country on election night. New Zealanders have chosen change and our new government will deliver it. We discuss the collapse of Labour, the swing to the right and the rise of Te Pāti Māori in the Māori electorates with our political panel. Nga mate, kwa takahi atura i te ranamu namu ki taiao haramai haere. Tātou e pupuri nei te akaaka o te whenua ti he wa Māori ora and welcome back to the hui. Wow, it has been an interesting election campaign to say the least. And it was an interesting election night. So, what the heck actually happened? Joining us now are commentators who were a part of the main broadcasts on the night on either TV3 News Hub or on TVNZ or on RNZ. She is a horangi. Professor of International Business Strategy and Entrepreneurship at AUT University. She was on the RNZ commentary broadcast team on Saturday night. Ahorangi Ella Henry Tenako, welcome back. He is the Senior Lecturer at the Faculty of Law at Victoria University, Waka, and was a part of the TVNZ coverage on Saturday night. Morgan Godfrey Tenakoi, and she is a broadcaster and communications expert extraordinaire and was a part of the News Hub uh, commentary team on Saturday night. Mani Donlop Tenakoi. No Thank you all very much for being a part of the programme um, with us here now. Uh, what a night. <laughs> Keen to just get your overall thoughts as it was going down on the night. What were you thinking, Ahorangi? Well, I mean, obviously we were all chained to the results as they were coming through and the slips and slides of them. I mean, I, I, I'm a Māori, I was heartened. As a Māori woman, I'm more heartened by how well Māori women did well, across the board. Yeah. So congratulations to all of them. Kia kaha manawa hene. Um, obviously, we know that the left in this country is going to have to do some work to re-win the hearts and souls of the working New Zealander, let alone the Māori community. So that's that's something that we're going to have to watch. And okay, a couple of points that I will pick up on later on as well. Uh, Morgan Godfrey, what stood out for you? Uh, when I saw the results uh, in Te Taitonga and Tāmaki coming through, mm. I was thinking, holy heck, I was in the hui studio saying that Rino Tere was going to smoke it <laughs> and Pini Henare was safe as houses. And now, look, he's only about 500 votes uh, ahead uh, and Rino Tere has lost the seat to uh, Takuta Ferris, uh, which I think no-one saw coming. So I think there's probably a, a dose of humility on my part, but also uh, on the part of some of the polls too, uh, which were predicting results, which we absolutely did not see uh, on the night. So yeah. that surprise is yeah. in the Māori election. I do want to say real. one of our panellists made it very clear to us she thought the Māori party was on the rise. So um, we'll come to that and we'll talk, talk about Māori elections as well. Uh, Mani Donlop, we were here. We were, we were here oh, with the laser kiwi. Which I'm sure everyone's sick of talking about. No, um, I totally agree with my mates Kōrero here, and I think it was a it was a bit of a emotional roller coaster for Māori that night when we saw those um, those numbers coming in for those Māori electorates. I was quite shocked as well, and I have to eat my words too. I was the same with, with Nanaya, um, and I said that that was her job until she retired, and so I'm yeah I'm I'm being humbled as well. But I think that role that emotional roller coaster that Māori would have gone through was the rise of the Māori party, that generational change and shift, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon, but then kind of the realisation of what the coalition government will look like. So, mm. 
you know, a positive movement, but then coming back down of, like, what is the reality of us sitting, of those seats sitting in opposition? Let's keep going then on the Māori electorates for mm -hmm. now, because eh? we've all started there, and as I said, there was one other panel who made it very clear. She thought the Māori party was on the rise, and that was you, hold on, Ella Henry. You, you saw it. Were you surprised that it came out that way on the night, though? I, I mean, pl pleasantly surprised, I have to say, but uh, uh, what I've been looking at and what I've been hearing, and I'm fortunate to be in a rangatahi community in my work and my, my research, Research, is the groundswell, the ways that both the Greens and the Māori Party use their social media strategies so effectively mm. uh, that I, I thought, you know, this has got to end in some, some kind of positive outcome for them. And I think it has, genuinely. Well, how... And, and I think people are still trying to process the loss of Nanaia Mahuta, actually, after so many years in Parliament. Why did that happen, do you think? Oh, kanui te, te aroha kiaia, you know, because she has served not just New Zealand politics, but te Māori so well for so long and is part of that tradition. But, you know, we have to remember that that electorate starts in South Auckland. Mm. In, in Monaco and uh, Papakura, Manurewa, they have some of the highest populations of Māori in the country, therefore in the world and, and often that's where the youngest are, so to motivate that community I think was the foundation. We won't know till we start looking at that polling booth yeah. votes, but I think that's where we'll see the real shift is in our urban communities. And Hanarafati Maipi Clark seemed, seemed to capture and garner the attention, not only in media, but on the ground as well of Kohangaro movement, Kurakaupapa movement, hence potentially leading to her win in that electorate. I think we're on the verge of seeing a new wave, just as we did. Remember the Māori world, Tao Māori was, was devastated by the impacts of the Second World War, and yet a new generation of Māori leaders emerged out of that catastrophe. I see a similar kind of thing Tau happening Māori. now. You talked about Tahu the Ferris. I mean, potentially that's one of the bigger, the biggest upset on the night in the Māori, in the Māori electorates. Why, why do you think he ended up winning that electorate? What led to the loss of Renault Kantane and Taku the Ferris MP? I think there was an element of, a small element of strategic voting because Lenore's back in Parliament. He's still there because he was 21st uh, on the list. So whether he won the seat or not, he was guaranteed to be back, or almost guaranteed to be back anyway. Uh, and I do think a number of people made that strategic judgement. Maybe if we vote Takuta, well, we still get two MPs uh, in Parliament. So I think there was a little bit of that, but also there's a demographic shift occurring in the biggest part of Te Taitunga, and that's Wellington. Yeah. So although Ngaitahu will come home for dinner every day of the week, of course, he's a tiddy katane, yeah. but in Wellington, that is where the votes are, yeah. and that is where, and Marnie will see this uh, because she lives in Wellington, that there is a different generation of Māori coming through in that part of Te Taitunga, and I think that's probably where the decisive impact would have been. And I know we're going to talk about general elections later on with Tamatha Paul, who also won in Wellington Central, and the move from the Greens as well, and an all-time <laughs> of, of all seats. But, but um, the other one I want to pick up on, uh, Mani, is Ikhwar Hafati. Mm. When the trend is going to the Māori Party and all of a sudden Kusha Tangaire, very little time to get a campaign going, smokes home by 3,000 votes. Yeah, I think a few things at play there. Uh, potentially people disheartened by Mika jumping without, without a valid reason that she may have communicated, not communicated to her constituents. Um, and Kushla did do a good, good campaign on the ground. She focused on the areas that didn't know her, like Ngāti Kahungunu, which you'd think that's Mika, that's Mika's spot and that's where she would have pulled a lot of the votes you know, if, to, to make an assumption. But then on the coast, Kushla didn't, she didn't have to fight for those votes 
it's because she's she was well known on the coast. Um, I was I had never called it for Kushla to be honest. I thought Mika had a good had a good chance. Yeah, I thought she had a good chance. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is potentially a, a, an aspect of a little bit of disheartenedness by those constituents of of that jump that she made. Yep. Do, do we think, and maybe this is too early, because as we said, we're still waiting for some special votes that could have an impact on Taitokarau and Tamaki Makoto. But, but have we got to a point where Labour, Labour needs to seriously reconsider its relationship with the Māori Party and that coalition on the left? Do they need to start talking to each other and being a lot more strategic in the way they play the political game going forward? I absolutely agree with that. And let's be clear, Labour has not had to have that relationship in the last three years. They won an absolute majority. Yeah. Now, my view is if they had used that power with more humility in their dealings with the Māori Party, I think it would have been a different outcome yeah. in many ways. So maybe they go back to the planning point, you know, because some good things were achieved for Māori yeah. out of the last three-year term. And I don't think they were promoted well enough. And I think we need to see a rejigging of the left. Yeah, I do want to pick up on that because I've, there's been quite different commentary about, you know, was this a vote against the Labour Māori caucus um, and, you know, people not being happy with what they did or didn't do in the last three years. You have to remember, the biggest Māori caucus in our history, um, did they do enough? Did they just not sell it enough? Or is this a, the generational shift? And I think there's an element of both of those things that contributed to why that support, well, you know, for the rise of the, of the, rise of the Māori Party. But I, I'm not too sure. I think the next years we are going to see the left really mobilise. How they do that and how strategic they are going to be about that, that's, that's, that will be the most interesting. Lots of nodding, Morgan. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the next three, year, three years in a way are quite scary because uh, Chris Lightson came out uh, on Sunday and he said that uh, a referendum on the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi is on the table. Uh, and if David Seymour or Winston Peters push for that, uh, we will have, to borrow uh, Sir John Key's words, uh, he coys from hell and a lot worse probably, uh, because that is, that is our stake in the ground, really. Yeah. You know, that is the reason for the Crown being is to Te Waitangi, and if they try to get rid of it, um, and almost, they're trying to get rid of their own legitimacy, but also, of course, they're trying to strike at the yeah. legitimacy of Māori. Do you think they'll do it? Do you? They um, might have uh, a go. Certainly, certainly, the Act is saying they'll have a go. However, we have a number of international instruments, jurisprudence, yeah. that we can go to. Yundrip, yeah. you know, World Court of Justice. A and a very staunch and strong uh, rangatahi presence now. Mm. and staunch and strong advocates for tikanga Māori, kaupapa Māori, mātauranga Māori and those new candidates and those new MPs coming into Parliament. We've got a lot more to talk about after this. We've got to talk about governing, uh, covening, I'm sorry, governing coalitions. I'll get there eventually. Governing coalitions and a new government and a new Prime Minister after this. Ko te pōtitanga 2023. E
Rauraki mai nei kūtou ki tā tātou hui me ona pū kōrero. We have Ahorangi, Ella Henry, Morgan Godfrey and Marnie Dunlop with us now. Let's talk about new government, new Prime Minister, a coalition on the right. It appears that will be leading the country going forward. What does that mean for Māori? I think there's a lot of work that's going to need to be done. Uh, some strong lobbying and advocacy is required because in the lead-up to this election, some very negative statements were made from some of those now-ruling parties about the relationship they want to have with us. And they must know we've survived a lot worse than this over the last... 183 years and nine months, but who's counting? <laughs> so, um, you know, we will have our loins girded for a fight if needed, but we will also be open to what kind of relationship we need to have with them moving forward. Do you think that's one of the reasons why they got the vote they did? That it played, it played it's, to it's, the voting public who have had enough of it? It's tenuous, but they will lead, and I, I can hear in the back of my head the theme tune of Game of Thrones playing as I see David and Winston in the frame together. <laughs> Morgan <laughs> 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 Godfrey, what went wrong with Labour? Bad campaign? Wrong leader? Both? All of them. COVID? Everything. Everything. It was terrible. Um, Chris Hipkins, at the, at the start of the year, uh, his first big act as Prime Minister was to tell New Zealand what he would not do mm. rather than tell people what he would do. So he came to office, he ruled out a series of policies, most belonging to Willie Jackson. So a signal there that he was going soft uh, on Māori issues. Uh, and then throughout the year, or throughout um, the eight or so months that he was Prime Minister, it didn't go anywhere else. Mm. That was it. We knew what Chris Hipkins did not stand for, but never really knew what Chris Hipkins did stand for. Uh, so I think that is where they went wrong, because for all Chris Luxon's uh, faults for the terrible policies he's proposed on welfare, on tax, uh, on interest rates, on house prices, you name it, uh, you didn't know what he actually stood for because mm. he was very clear about what he wanted to do, whereas on the other side, uh, people didn't know what Labour stood for. See, Martin, if we have a look at the other parties on the left, Māori Party did their job and more. Green Party did their job and more. So it wasn't an indictment on the left... It was an absolute indictment on the Labour government. Mm, I agree, and I think that, just to echo um, what Morgan has, has said, th there was nothing that Labour supporters, I think, could really pin on, you know, with any transformational policy or something that really kind of they could go out there and really fight for. It just felt... And also, you know, again, there were so many things that happened in the lead-up that we've... You know, David Parker resigning from his revenue portfolio because of what happened around, you know, his proposal for the wealth tax. And those were that was a great proposal. And as soon as we saw the Green Party announce their tax policy, a lot of that vote went to the Greens. So I think just... Oh, a little, yeah, just weak, just weak on Chippy's part, and I think that is an aspect of where it went wrong because there was just no, uh, there was nothing to kind of, you know, get, you know, Māori Party, they having bloody flag, um, you know, that was their thing, put, find their flags on the road. There was nothing that Labour supporters, I don't think, really felt that they could, and literally, metaphorically and physically, fly their flag for. Okay, so, so whilst we're talking about those parties on the left that did well, and the Greens did well, not only in their party vote, but also won seats, as we talked about, Rongotai, uh, Wellington Central, um, good candidates, but also it seems another indictment against 
against the Labour Party and their um, policies and also the party in those seats. But Umutai is not a, it's not a green seat. Wellington Central is not a green, a green seat. Well, we, again, the party vote in Wellington is very high in, in terms of the Green Party yeah. party vote usually. I think for Umutai specifically, Paul Eagle um, wasn't doing a very good job in the electorate. He also went to run for mayor and he came back and then I think, you know, that lost a lot of the support for the Labour Party. Fleurfit Simmons, I don't think, had the same kind of yeah. Um, yeah, landing within with, within that electorate, and Julianne has been quite visible. Go to Wally Central, and I want to. I'll probably give Morgan to talk about uh, his Ngatiawa Princess Tamitha. <laughs> 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 so if you want to off you go, my bro. You can talk about Wally. Yeah, um, I just want to say, a month ago, I picked her, and I was laughed out of the room. Yeah, uh, but but because of her profile in the in the city as well. Yeah, I, I think she was she was always going to win. She was going to win because she's a Paul from Ngatiawa. <laughs> But she was also going to win because, you know, she had the secret recipe for winning an election, and that was to turn up people who looked and spoke like she did. Oh, yeah. So she turned out young people, she turned out women, and she turned them out in huge numbers when she ran for council. And then she did it again. She scaled it and turned them out in huge numbers uh, in an electorate race uh, as well. And that's actually the lesson for okay. all parties. Which talks to the Manawahine point that um, Ella Henry mentioned earlier. The counter to that is, and the counterfactual is, New Zealand first. And there they are again. <laughs> like some phoenix arrived, rising from the ashes. Um, and you know, I I've said this frequently, we all have, you can never count Winston out. Um, we will only really know, and they haven't said what they stood for, mm. really, truth be told, apart from some very odd TikToks from Shane. Um, so, so the next month is going to really be about them putting their po in the ground. Mm. And, and let's be very clear, you know, we did well under the, the provisional growth fund that they mm. brought in a lot of Māori communities, so it'll be interesting to see what their position does with their own political aspirations and for us. Mm. There is still a lot of vote. I want, to, I want to use the word conspiratorial. I mean, look at Loyal New Zealand. I mean, they were 1.3% or whatever it was. You had some other parties who didn't quite make 1%. But you collate that vote together with New Zealand First, you end up with 10 or 11%. Yeah, well, it was a good 5% that were in that yeah. uh, sort of also-ran category. The tops, I think, did extremely well. Yeah. Um, but I do think the reality is it's all about messaging and we are having to be very clear now that, that how political parties package themselves and, and market themselves in the lead-up to elections are critical. What kind of Prime Minister will uh, Christopher Luxon be, um, Morgan? Because I watched him on Saturday night and he basically followed every footstep and every hand movement and every, uh, you know, every word that John Key did in 2008. I want to be a Prime Minister for all New Zealand. What kind of Prime Minister will he be, do you think? Uh, it's a good point, actually. He probably does take his instructions from uh, Sir John Key, who we saw on the night too. He had arrived at the National Party party. Uh, he was there to support Chris Luxon. Uh, he was there to endorse Chris Luxon during the campaign. And Chris Luxon very much sees John Key's Prime Ministership as his model. Uh, the only trouble for Chris Luxon is he's no John Key. Uh, so we're not going to see um, the same kind of popularity. Uh, we're not going to see the same kind of cohesion as well, because although that national government was difficult for nine years for many people, at the same time, John Key had an instinct to reach out. Yeah. His instinct was not to shut down so Tariana Turia and Peter Sharples got a test to this uh, and have publicly many times that he was easy to work with. He would pick up the phone. Would Chris Luxon pick up the phone if Shane Jones or Winston Peters called? 
I'm not sure he would well, unless he needed them. Shouldn't he pick up the phone to the Māori Party, or do you not think that will happen at all, uh, Mani Dunlop? I hopefully don't... I, when it, I, I don't think it will. He ruled. He fundamentally ruled out working with the Māori Party, and he did that really bizarre press conference on a random weekday at 9am in the morning to say that he wasn't going to work with them, and that was the beginning of the campaign, which kind of set the scene for, you know, who he was running for. And then the Māori, on the other side, the Māori Party have said they're not ruling anyone out, but anyone they talk to, they have to have a treaty-centric uh, vision for Aotearoa and... Based on what we're seeing with this potential coalition government, there's nothing very treaty-centric about it. OK, we have much more to discuss after the break. We have more from our Sterling panel on the Hui Ataihuakene. Kia ora mai anō, ko te hui tēnei e ngai iwi e mihia tuana tangia tuana kia koutou katoa. Kua haurangi Ella Henry, ko Morgan Godfrey Rata, ko Mani Donlop, ngā pūkōrero i tēnei hōtaka nei. Let's talk about the issues that the Māori Party raised very early on. I think even, even after the booths closed, they talked about the issues that Māori voters in particular were having when they were going to vote or even trying to get a special vote in. Um, we would have thought, you would have thought the Electoral Commission would have dealt with a lot of this stuff by now. How is this still happening? It's a resourcing thing. I, I shared the night with um, the panel with David Latelli and he was getting updates every 15 minutes the, before voting closed. People were sending him emails panicking. They've run out at Manurewa. Um, I'm being asked for my ID or, or you know, passport and so on. So, so because he had so many helpers out in South Auckland, I was kind of privy to what was going on and it felt chaotic. And he was saying, people are walking away. If that is happening in this country in 2023, that is a tragedy and it's a scandal and it better be investigated. Will it be investigated, though? I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot, right, over, over past election campaigns. Mm. I agree that an investigation should happen if that, is, if that is the case. And it feels like it wasn't just out south either. I mean, there was a lot of it happening in Mount Albert, uh, electorate mm. around Grey Lynn. Mm. Places like Grey Lynn. Yeah, a, a similar thing happened in, I think it was 2017, uh, where Māori were showing up to vote, but they didn't have a printed copy of the Māori roll. And without a printed copy, those people then had to cast a special vote, which could take you know, upwards of 10, 20, 30 even sometimes up to an hour. I was uh, in line in central Auckland for an hour, then had to cast uh, a special vote uh, in a separate line, which took another hour to do so. All the people who were leaving uh, that line were either... Well, they were non-white. They were not mm. Pākehā. Uh, they were they were Māori people, Pacific people and Asian people who were leaving that line. Um, it was only, you know, the tragics and the diehards uh, who were sticking around to do it. The Electoral Commission said it was an IT issue, um, 
Of course they will. What it probably was, but why were there not more printed roles? Why were there not other processes and so on and so on? You, you couple that with the general turnout. So what we're hearing is about 800,000 people didn't cast a vote or over that. That's about 20 to 25% of New Zealanders who didn't cast a vote. One assumes, and I hate saying these things like this, but one assumes a lot of them will be us. Uh, yeah, they will. And I think also, remember the, the changes with the electoral law around switching, switching roles. And so uh, what I've been hearing anecdotally is that those who may have switched from Māori to general or general to Māori, they weren't right on that cut-off, they weren't necessarily recorded. And so they, they had to cast special votes. So if we did have a lot of Māori switching to the Māori role, then yes, that would kind of that would prove that theory right but generally I've, I've been at a lot of booths around the country you know as my time as a reporter and covering elections and when you're at the booths there's always alpakake especially who are really confused by the process getting them there to the booths in the first place is a win mm -hmm. getting them to stay there and actually go through that process is another win and there's the people they don't have the resources this is not a whaka itsi on the kaimahi who are on the ground who are trying to deal with the chaotic situation that they were put in but the resourcing is not there and there needs to be a lot more done to have our booths in Marae, have booths in places um, that our people feel comfortable to go to. I specifically was like, oh, where can I go to to a marae to vote? I couldn't find any. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just to, to make the experience, not, you know, for us. <laughs> Should there also be a focus... Uh, particularly where they know there's an issue with Māori voter turnout. Should there be a focus then also uh, on looking at something like doing an early voting campaign, particularly yep. for Māori and Pacific Island communities who have traditionally had a, you know, a lack of access to good places to be able to put their votes? There'll say, be no race-based policies here, my dear. Oh, well, yeah, no, no, you're, no, you're <laughs> no? right, though. You're I'm right. sorry, that's not yeah. going to happen at the next election. However, we can certainly be advocating for more resources to go into the, at the, the front end, where every booth should have printed and access to the soft copy because if yeah. there's a rain and, and it's cut out, you know. So so there's resourcing. That needs to be addressed. I also think there should be investigation of the training because I, I was, when I went in to vote, you know, all you need is somebody, and you know our people can be a bit fragile, when somebody says to you, oh, how do you say, you know, what, how do you say, you know, what's, what's that, Matt, you know, and they don't know and you've got a beautiful, ancient fuck-a-papa name and you've got somebody there going, how do you spell that? Yeah. yeah, it's a deterrent. Yeah, but I just want to give a mihi to the person who was at my booth because she made me say my name, Julia Leary Petra Wilcox, and she went ten Ah, young Pakia girl. So I just wanted a mihi to her. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, that is not the experience that we're seeing through an Aotearoa. I forgot to ask you actually when we were talking about the the, the general electorates, in particular, um, the other parties. Does Chris Hipkins hang on as leader of the Labour Party for the next three years? Because the reason why I'm asking this question, Green Party, two lo two co-leaders. Uh, one male, one female, one Māori, one Pākehā. Māori party, two co-leaders, one male, one female, and obviously Māori. Does Labour need to change the game up here to appeal and be a much more broader church in the way that it holds its yeah, leadership? Yeah, you're just trying to poison Māori Labour leader over there, Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Look, ancient Māori leadership was always relational and collective. Yeah. That, that's how we managed to survive, you know, colonising the South Pacific for 3,000 years. So um, I think there's merit in it, but I'm not 100% sure if uh, those in power and in, in Labour are ready to let go of power in quite that way, because it does require relinquishing power, collective leadership. Yeah, but know. they just got smashed, Professor. <laughs> Yeah, and who is on the horizon? If, if Hifkin, who do you think? I think you kind of have to look at it from the perspective uh, of a Māori MP in the Labour caucus. 
Um, because in a way, who would want it? Who would want that leadership? Because you're not necessarily, or you're not only accountable to your community, wherever that might be, you're also accountable to the Labour Party and to a New Zealand community, a wider New Zealand community. So to be Māori in that kind of environment, mm. uh, it can take away little bits of yourself day by day, little bits of your family day by day as well. Mm. So I think we have to kind of look at it from the other perspective of, do we really want to send Māori people into that environment to begin with? Yeah. Yeah, and so, and I also want to pick up on, you know, the amazing, these young wahine Māori as well, if we're talking about people going into parliament, is that going... I'm, a bit, I'm not... I'm, this is not, not to undermine them, but I'm worried about how that environment will be for them. You know, it isn't a safe environment. It hasn't been, and we've seen that um, over the last term as well, and the way and the vitriol that they had to endure during the campaign and for our Māori um, MPs. So I think a lot needs to change within, within Parliament. But back to the Labour leadership, I think that safe hands for six months to a year, Chippy needs to kind of just steady the ship a little bit um, and, you know, have, and have Grant to be able to... To, to support that and then look at potentially who could fill that spot. Then and thank you all for not answering the question I put. But you are, but it was the correct <laughs> way to also respond. I mean we good Professor Ella Henry, thank you for being a panelist for us throughout the whole campaign. Uh, Morgan Goffrey, uh, you know you weren't here with us at TV three on the night but but you did well. <laughs> <laughs> a part of the Ngāpui takeover of uh, News Hub. Anyway, uh, our thanks to our panel and to all our panellists, actually, on our Hui election coverage this year. Uh, it has been awesome to have so many skilled and talented professionals offering their perspectives. You can find all of our stories for the Hui on Facebook, YouTube and on newshub.co.nz. Kia mou, ki te tūranga o taputupu ate, haumie, huie, tāikie. Nā te puna whakatonga rewa, te hui i tautoko.